everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt Lifty Podcast. I'm your host, Luke, rolling with a new co-host this week. We've got Kerry McAllister, HLE team member, Southeastern region lead. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm excited to finally get you on a podcast. Um, it'll be it'll be sweet. We're going to get you on a full episode here soon, and we'll start off with the tips and kind of get your, your feet wet and your cherry popped. Oh, that sounds good, man. Hell yeah. So I think today we're going to talk a little bit about that transition from bow and muzzleloader season over into rifle, a little bit of prep, you know, what we do to prepare and, you know, some differences between setups as we look at Eastern and Western hunting. So I think, you know, to kick us off, um, I've definitely, I think with a rifle more so than a bow, it's easy to get a little complacent. You assume like, oh, it's good. I'll go confirm zero. I think the, the number one thing to do is to make sure you're actually getting some reps in, shooting at distance, and then not just focusing on shooting off a bench. Uh, it's really easy to go to the range, have a bench, have a lead sled, have a sandbag, whatever, and you're in a really stable position. Uh, what you should be shooting is in some positions that you might be seeing when you're hunting. Uh, you're not always in a, the, the best of positions, and so actually taking the time to put yourself in some uncomfortable spots. You know, if you don't have a tripod, or if you're shoot with the equipment that you're going to be utilizing in the field. So confirm zero in the most controlled environment possible, or zero in the most controlled uh, environment possible. Make sure you're getting reps off of whatever you're going to be taking out uh, in the field. Whether you're if you're in a tree saddle, if you're in you know sitting in a, a ground blind or sitting on a stand. Or if you're in the wet, out west and you might be shooting off the back of your pack or off a tripod, make sure you're practicing those the specific scenarios you're going to find yourself in. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, doing those awkward positions, like you mentioned, the pack um, off of a tripod, using your your uh, actual sticks to help stabilize your rifle, man, it's super important. Got to practice with that before the time happens, you know? Yeah, 100%. It's just... And it's, it's a perishable skill. And I think, I know, you know, I've been shooting my whole life and it's easy to, to overlook it. It's a pain in the ass if you don't have a place, you know, it's convenient to shoot at. You got to go to a public range or go to a paid range and you're dealing with range safeties and fucking, all right, everybody wait to the line. And like, it's just, it's just a hassle. So it's definitely easy to overlook it. And I've definitely done that in the past. So knowing, knowing your equipment, knowing the weapon system you're shooting with, getting the repetitions, and then also, um, Practicing at different distances, that's another piece. You know, a lot of times we, we think we know our dope, but we're not actually confirming that zero and then confirming that distance, whether you've got, you know, adjustable turrets or, you know, if you're just doing conducty windage off fixed turrets, you need to know that and know what that point and point of impact is at the different distances of what you are going to be shooting at. And then really have an understanding of what that max effective range is, especially out west, because it's even more uh, important because you might find yourself taking some decent pokes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that you brought up max effective range, man. The key word in that is effective, you know. I could take a 5.56 five, and throw it out there 800 yards, but it's probably not doing too much to an elk, you know. Yeah, 100%. And, like, that's knowing the limitations of your different rounds. Like, you know, 6.5 Creedmoor is a super, super popular round right now, and it's a really effective round at a lot of distances and a lot of speeds. Um, but you're losing a lot of energy out at distance. You know, if you're shooting an elk with 143 grain, you know, ELDX bullet, but you're going past that 400 and it's starting to really fall off. Like, yeah, you can definitely kill an animal and kill an elk with that round, but your placement needs to be good. You need to know where that round's going. And then I would be really prepared for that follow-up shot. And that's another thing is like 
that's something I've learned out West is like you're shooting at larger critters and whitetails. You know, I grew up hunting in the East. Uh, it's to immediately rack a second round. And if that animal is not down, shoot it again. And then keep putting rounds into to that critter until it actually drops. Cause uh, you don't want to, you don't want to lose one. Uh, it can, it can be a real pain in the ass. You also don't want to be chasing them. Yeah, man. I mean, most of us as hunters, do you like, we're, we want to make an ethical kill. We want to end that animal's life as quickly and fast as possible, you know, for one to save meat and you don't want them to suffer. Right. And definitely don't want to lose the animal and have them walk off and die somewhere else. So yeah, man, definitely. Yeah. Put rounds in it, make it done. Um, dude, even whitetail guys with a bow, if you can get a second arrow in, I had to do that last year on a sheep, man. I popped pop, lungs on the sheep, stood there wobbling at me. My mechanical broadhead didn't open up, so I put a second one in his chest and, and ended him immediately, you know, stopped that suffering. Same thing with the rifle, you know? Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it's, there's nothing worse than, I mean, if you haven't lost an animal yet, it's only a matter of time if you hunt long enough that you wound one and lose one. Um, but it, it's definitely shitty. And it's even more shitty when you know it was something that you could have prevented through either your prep, your uh, preparation or, you know, practice or just, you know, making a better decision, like taking that second shot. So we don't want to be in that position because it's, it's definitely not fun uh, when, when you lose one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, you know, something going bad. No what, uh, Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, what 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 are some specific things you're doing uh, when you're going to the range when you're when you're kind of setting up and getting that preparation in? So, man, you know, you brought it up earlier how how we kind of a lot of us start to kind of slack off and take things for granted, man. And and I've definitely fallen into that that category, um, you know. And I have to use public ranges where I'm at, so it's a lot of shooting off the bench, and you know, you're not looking at anything past a hundred yards. Uh, so for me, it's it's definitely confirm, continue confirm zero. When I travel somewhere, I do my best to try to confirm zero again. But when I'm not at the range, I'm dry firing. I'm dry firing from different positions. I'm dry firing off a pack. I'm dry firing off the ledge of my deck uh, in case I'm in a, a blind or something like that, kind of to simulate that. You know, I'm trying to train as realistically as it could be, even though I'm not actually throwing a round through. I'm still dry firing and still getting those reps in. Yeah, I love that you brought up the dry firing. That's a very underrated, you know, practice there is to you can still get the repetitions, whether that's really popular in like the tactical shooting community with pistols and stuff, but it definitely applies to shooting your rifle. You learn the trigger, you learn, you know, what that break exactly feels like, especially if you have a new rifle, uh, if you're upgrading or if you're switching over to something else, just understanding what that weapon system's doing um, throughout the entire process, getting the feel of the bolt, you know making sure you're racking around because you, you know very quickly if you've done it enough, if you actually missed the round, right? You know, you short that when you're uh, racking around and you don't pull the bolt back all the way, like being able to identify that. Um, and a lot of that just comes through that repetition. You can do that without going to the range. So yeah, I love that, man. Yeah, dude, muscle memory, man. Cause when you're in the red zone, dude, the adrenaline is through the roof, man. Like if you don't have that muscle memory and you're going to screw up. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons I've really tried recently is every time I'm shooting and when I'm doing my dry fire stuff is to immediately rack another round so it just becomes automatic. So I'm not having to sit there and if I have to take a follow-up, I haven't racked that round because there's nothing worse than when you go to <laughs> squeeze the trigger and you realize you didn't have another round in the chamber and you're like, fuck. Or like the same thing is like 
going through the motion of like a like a quicker shot and then flipping that safety off, flipping that safety off, flipping that safety off, right? Safety on and off because I've definitely done that. I jumped, had an opportunity at a mule deer. I was walking a canyon, uh, looking to draw uh, to jump shoot one and threw the rifle up and it was a rifle that I hadn't been hunting with that season and fucking left the safety on. It was just missed my opportunity because I wanted to squeeze the trigger and just heartbreaking. So you don't want to find yourself in that position. So, you know, actually practicing and drilling with that is, uh, is definitely key and important. Yeah, absolutely. A couple little shifts, I guess, if we're looking from whitetail to, um, looking out, going out West and hunting either larger critters or different topography. One is, you know, being identifying, you know, what round you're utilizing, right? Whitetail are significantly smaller, usually, not always. Some of the Midwestern whitetail are pretty big, but if you're hunting in the East and you're you know dealing with sub 200 pound whitetail versus some mule deer uh, out West or dealing with elk, especially is, you know, looking at, and I'm definitely not an expert in any of this, but, you know, looking at increased grain weights, right. You know, have a little more ass behind the round that's hitting, uh, you know, a five, 600 pound elk versus a 150 pound whitetail. There's a big difference there in the size of the animal. Um, so just being cognizant of that, doing your research and then also testing, right. Don't just assume that the round, every rifle likes different rounds and different grains. Like if you have a really tight grouping and you're shooting sub MOA at a hundred with a, you know, 150 grain, you know, bullet, and then you upgrade to a 180 that pattern is probably going to be a little different. So making sure you're, you're testing that new round if you are switching. Um, but what I think it really comes down to is you don't always have to make that transition. Like 150, like 250 grain bullets in, in the fucking kill box is much better than one 180 grain outside the kill box. So where do you put that round is more important than, I mean, you can kill, I killed a 300 pound pig with a 22 long rifle, right? Shot up behind the ear. Like you can, <laughs> you can, you can do it depending on where you put it. I'm not recommending people go out chasing elk with a 22, but, um, the, yeah. the, where you put the round matters significantly more than, than the round itself. And then another thing that I do is I don't like shooting off my pack. I don't like shooting off unstable surfaces. And so this year I upgraded, uh, to a tripod with a, uh, like a rifle clamp, uh, for my Western hunting. And that's been awesome i was able to kill my mule deer i was hanging off the edge of a cliff and high winds and if i hadn't had that i would have had nothing to prop up on nothing to get stable trying to shoot offhand at 250 yards or whatever it was would have been a nightmare so being able to actually set my tripod up and put the weapon in the clamp clamp it down so i have a really stable platform uh, and then i also keep a bipod on my rifle for those times where i'm either going to be in the prone or maybe I don't have the ability to quickly get the, the tripod set up. So it's kind of like different echelons based on what I'm doing. I don't use any of that when I'm hunting off out of a tree stand, right? Cause you know, you, you have a, a rest or you can rest off your saddle off the, you know, your, uh, your tether or off the side of the tree, depending on what your setup looks like. So just practicing and knowing your, your equipment, which kind of goes back into the front end and then figuring out what works and what doesn't. Some guys, you know, are fine with like a single shooting stick, I don't like that. I'm wobbly as hell when I'm trying to shoot off a shooting stick. So I really like having that tripod set up. Yeah, same here. Same here. I don't like single yeah, sticks at it's, all. No. I mean, it's better than offhand, but I I don't know that it's that yeah, much sure. better in my opinion. I mean, but some guys swear by it. But having the weapon secure, it's worth the extra weight on the tripod. And then another thing, and Cole's producing, so he can't talk, but one thing that we I did with him was – we stopped and we prepped everything. We were, we were stocking up on an antelope and whatever you think that shot's going to be, 
based on if you're going on a stalk, if you think you're, you know, if they're high, it's high sage brush and you think you're going to have to be taking a kneeling shot or sitting up or maybe in the prone, if you're in an open, you know, flat area is prepping the tripod ahead of time. And I'll even walk around. It's kind of goofy looking, but I'll go ahead and mount the clamp onto the rifle. If I think that I'm going to be in that position to take a quicker shot and that way I'm ready to go. And that's what happened with my mule deer. Since I was already prepped, I was able to get down, get pretty comfortable, get the, the bipod or the tripod set pretty quick to t- take a pretty bang, bang shot on the, the mule deer. So just the preparation across the board and getting your equipment out. Don't, don't have your, your tripod in the back of your pack. If you think that you might be, you know, if you're stalking up on an animal or you think you're in an area where you've seen them and they might be, you know, laying down in the sage bedded or whatever, um, having that stuff prepped ahead of time can be the difference between either a good shot and a bad shot or a complete no shot. So prep preparation is kind of the theme for the, this, this week. Yeah, man, you got to stack it in your favor, everything you can do, you know? Yeah, there's there's so many variables and there's so much working against you anyways, These, especially if you're hunting high-pressured areas and animals that are keyed in and, you know, ready to go. Like, you want to remove all of the, the shit that can go wrong that you can control because there's, there's enough out there already that you can't. Yeah, sure. Sweet. Well, you got anything else to wrap us up? No, man. Um, I know this is quick and short, man, but I'm I'm super psyched that you brought me on here. Um, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, brother, I'm stoked. We'll do some more. We need to get a full intro episode with you, talk about your background and your experiences and everything you got going on now that you're retired from the Army and living that, <laughs> that free man life. I'm jealous. Absolutely. Uh, it'll come soon enough, awesome, man. brother. Well, I appreciate it. Bye, right, man. Yeah, soon. I'm stoked. All right. As as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Talk to you next week.